right, welcome back. So the next topic that we're going to talk about in this customer engagement is resolve concerns. And this is a tricky one. So we have a, just a few bullet points and we're, I'm going to try to keep it as simple as I can uh, because I, I find that when I try to go too deep with this one, uh, the muddy get, uh, water gets a little bit muddier. And so um, we're going to keep just to a few simple bullet points, as you see on there, uh, that if you just follow these, trust me, it will save you a lot of grief when it comes to resolving concerns with uh, a customer as they come up. So that first one, I'll kick it off by talking about the first one, which is just never argue. Okay. When a concern comes up that is negative towards you or your business or your company or your product, et cetera, don't argue, just listen. Okay. Let them vent it out. Okay. Let them finish talking. Don't try to sell the farm too surly and resolve it too, too soon. Let them vent and hear everything out that there is a concern for them. Okay. Even if something uh, was intended to go really well and we had a food pot on the business and it just, we had a bad, you know, a bad, something bad happened and it led to a bad experience for the customer. Just let them vent it and listen it out. Okay. Don't, so, don't try to start to argue. And, and I, I want to, I know you're going to run down the list of the bullet points and we'll, we'll get into some no, detail, but I think that there's something important to, to point out here. And you made the comment of let them vent it all the way out. I've seen kind of this trend where people are trying to, uh, they're, they're trying to expedite the customer complaint process the same way that they would expedite an assembly line. Uh, personally, I disagree with that. Uh, I know that there's uh, some, you know, some some different trains of thought where people are saying, you know, we can't spend a ton of time dealing with these customer complaints, and so they they try and resolve them very quickly, uh, too quickly, in, in my opinion. And so, if you're set up, if you're one of those businesses that has kind of an automation complaint uh, process or if you've trained your people to immediately start to recommend solutions is, you know, the point we've covered previously, uh, it, whatever the case may be, if you're really jumping into that, uh, we're going to go back to that whole thing of uh, it's considerably more cost effective to retain a customer than it is to have to gain a customer and, you know, especially gain a customer back if you've uh, previously lost them. And so, yeah, we, we do adhere to the principle of like, hear them out, take that time. I guarantee the extra three minutes that they're going to be complaining will pay dividends if you listen correctly to what that concern is. Now you, you hinted on a point uh, that I think is super important. And that is too often that because they're trying to expedite it, they just jump right to let's negotiate a price and get this over with. Okay. So they're not even listening to the concern. So that's the point of why we say never argue, just listen, because we want to focus on the concern mm -hmm. and not necessarily the price just to resolve the issue. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because if, you know, if the issue is, Hey, you know what? I I'm buying an appliance and I want it, you know, delivered in two days because it's Thanksgiving. Okay. And we're already booked. Okay. The concern is, is I might not have it before Thanksgiving versus uh, all right, is there a way that I can hire an additional person to help with some of this log versus, well, what if we just discount it and still bring it in a week? Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, it still costs, if I discounted, it still costs me money per se. Could I have used that same amount of money, put it towards labor somewhere else to resolve the issue? Okay. So listening to the concern is what we really want to do is figure out how to resolve the concern, not just use money to try to manipulate the situation. Okay. Now that leads us into that next one, which is do our policies and procedures align all the way from management down to our front end uh, staff and employees. Okay. And too often it doesn't. So 
an example that I have with uh, this when we're talking about you know getting uh, you know management and employees aligned is uh, you know th- this is something that I just saw recently where a company that I was working with they had an employee who was the person who would answer customer you know inquiries whether that was a call or an email or whatever so uh, this employee had a customer that had called in and needed a replacement part for one of the products that they sold. And the, um, the employee went to uh, find out if the, this replacement part had actually, you know, if, if it was in stock and if there was a price point on it. And uh, this employee went through three different management uh, levels to try and answer the question. And when it got to this final management level, and this was the part where I got involved because I used this as a as a as a prime example, as a, you know, kind of a to to show, hey, why are we doing this? But when uh, when it got to the last level of management, the manager asked, they're like, well, you know, how much does that part cost? And it was pennies, like just just pennies. And the point that I was bringing out is, I'm like. Look at what this employee felt like they had to go through, how many channels they had to go through in order to resolve the concern of this customer. And I was arguing, I'm like, this employee should have just given them the part. It made them happy. It would have cost three bucks in shipping, you know, like just get it done, get it taken care of. But the employee was never trained that they were allowed to do that. And so, you know, when you talk about policies and procedures with the customer experience, a lot of times what happens is you get the, you know, the management or the owners, they intuitively understand that they can just resolve concerns. But if the employees don't feel empowered to resolve concerns, they won't. And they'll do what this employee did. They put that person, you know, they're like, hey, I'll get back to you. And then they went and bugged several people in management. And it was all over this small, insignificant deal. And so, you know, your policies and procedures, a lot of times what will happen. uh, Now, let me let me add one more interesting piece to this experience is when I brought up that this was a policies and procedures issue for the company, the company fired back and they said, we actually have a policy in place where at a certain dollar amount, the, uh, the employees can just take care of it. And I said, that's good. So what fell apart here? Why, why did this fall apart? And the issue was that this part was so small that it didn't have a recognized dollar amount that the employee could see because it wasn't a for sale part. And so even though there was a policy, it doesn't mean that there was an effective policy. And so that's really what we're talking about here is we're saying, look at your policies and procedures. I see so often that businesses assume that because they've got a binder buried in a back room somewhere that hasn't been updated for six years, that they clearly have policies and procedures. I'm like, mm-mm. If your employees aren't using that information, if the information is not accurate, if it's not up to date, you do not have policies and procedures in place. You might have them, but they are not in place. And so you can't effectively resolve concerns. Now, we've focused or shared that at least it feels like when we talk about resolve concerns that all concerns are bad, but they aren't. And so let me give you uh, a great analogy or an example that I learned from a gentleman of mine, the name of Stephen Little about how most 
concerns are actually positive things. And if we approach them the right way, we can actually uh, do a lot of good for our company. So uh, Mr. Little uh, travels, and I heard, you know, listened to him a number of years ago. Uh, he travels quite a bit for his job. And uh, he's kind of over the years picked out which hotels he likes. And he's picked them out based off of the fact that uh, when he's done for the day, he loves a milkshake. Okay. And as he, uh, as he's gone through different hotels and sometimes one's booked. And so he goes to another. So he, as he creates this list, um, he's found that it's amazing how, uh, too often we have resources to resolve concerns, but we we're, don't have that mindset. And so we don't do it. And two examples that he shared was, uh, goes to hotel a, uh, after a long day, checks in, uh, calls down to room service says, Hey, look, I would love a chocolate shake. Okay. So room service says, well, we don't have chocolate shakes. And he <laughs> says, there's no way you can get me a chocolate shake, make me a chocolate shake. No, we don't, you know, it's not part of our menu. Sorry. He's, so then he asked a simple question. Do you have ice cream? Yeah. Do you have a little bit of chocolate syrup? Yeah. Do you have a cup? Yeah. Do you have some milk? Yeah. Do you have a blender? Yeah. Can you put them all together and blend it up? <laughs> Just bring me up some, sorry, sir, we don't do chocolate shakes. So it was interesting that even though the hotel had the ability, the resources to do it, and it wasn't going to cost them uh, really, honestly, any different uh, amount of effort than anything else they did, they still just could not understand that, hey, look, this was an easy thing to retain a customer and have, make sure that they had a great experience. Okay. Um the next one he shared is he goes to another hotel that was a new one that he hadn't stayed at in the city that he had been to the first time, checks in, gets to his room, calls down to room service and says, Hey, look, I'd love a milkshake. Can you get me one? And he says, you know, there was a pause for a minute on the phone for a little bit, you know, for what, you know, felt like a minute was probably only 10 seconds. And they go, yeah, we can do that. We can do that. Give us a few minutes and we'll bring you one up. And so uh, about five, six minutes late, well, it was probably 10 minutes later, they come up knocking on the door and uh, they hand him a chocolate shake from McDonald's, okay? And he looked at it and kind of smiled, realizing that they may have not had in their kitchen the ability to do it, but they recognized that right across the street is a McDonald's. So they'd made the effort to go across the street to, to get the chocolate shake, bring it over to him, bring it up to him, uh, charged him the same price that he would have paid at McDonald's. So he didn't feel like he was getting bitten gouged. And he says, you know, I just had a wonderful experience because their mindset was, we're going to do whatever we can to help resolve concerns to make sure that customers have a great experience. And so I've loved those examples to help me think outside the box that when a concern comes up, that's the first thing I ask is, or first thing I tell myself is no, shouldn't be the first answer. And then do I have the resources to do it? Mm -hmm. And so I've loved, I've loved to keep that in the back of my mind, um, to do that. So think about experiences that you've had or so maybe someone's asked, and even though it's not inside your will set, were you able to resolve it? Do you have the ability to resolve it? And are you teaching that mindset uh, throughout your company that do we have the ability to do to resolve the concern, even though it may not be perfectly aligned with what we always do? Yeah, I I love that example. Um, you know, I've heard I've heard you share it many times, and every time that I hear you share it, it always makes me reflect on. What am I saying no to that I should be saying yes to or should be trying to say yes to? And, and so I, I think that that's a, a very powerful example. The, uh, the final point here that we have with resolving concerns, it all has to deal with criticizing the customer. And 
you know, I've seen this a lot. Uh, I see it where a lot of times people think that, you know, that they aren't criticizing the customer when, you know, they really are, uh, you know, getting after the customer. And, and what I mean is this. So the customer is going to come in. And if you think about business, business fundamentally is problem solving. People are exchanging their money for you to solve their problems. And those problems might be perceived, they might be real, they might be tangible, they might be intangible, but regardless, they've got a problem, they need a solution. And a lot of times what will happen is you've got the, uh, the owners or the employees of a company that they don't realize that their problems are always going to be different than the customer's problems. And so that leads to a little bit of criticism. That leads to you know them kind of judging and saying, well, why don't you just take care? You know, the, the milkshake example. A common response, and this is hypothetical, but a common response would be for them to say, well, sir, there's a McDonald's, you know, across the street, you can go get yourself a milkshake. And, you know, that's not, that's not really criticizing, but it is telling the customer that, hey, you know what, your concern is not going to be solved by us. You're going to have to figure it out for yourself. And, you know, and the customer's like, no, I, I want to pay for a service. I'm calling room service because I want to have that experience. And so, you know, think about the, the times that you're interacting with customers. Are you telling them things like, go solve your own problem? Are you telling them things like, I don't really care about your problems? Are you telling them things like, hey, your problems don't really matter. Those aren't real problems or big enough problems. You know, like what are you messaging to your customer? And that's what I look at when I, you know, look at this piece of never, never criticize uh, your customer is, you know, you need to value what, you know, what their perception is, where they're coming from and, and what really matters to them. And I would just add just briefly as well, make sure that um, amongst your employees and yourselves that your chatter uh, amongst yourself is not criticizing those customers either. Cause I promise you that at some point in time, some customer is going to overhear uh, your team talk about someone else. And then they're going to be left with that question mark. Are they doing the same to me? And so be very careful about uh, even your internal conversations uh, because they can come back to, to bite you um, and cause concerns with your customers as well. Mm -hmm. I want to point something out, and we've talked about this throughout the training, but this is a really good uh, point in the training where we can hopefully tie some of this together. So point number one is that these steps build on each other. And here's a prime example. We just covered the create value section of the training. And a lot of times people look at create value and they say, well, that's not, a, that's not customer service. That's not customer engagement. That, that has to do with pricing and you know, identifying your, your, your target market and different things like that. But this is what we're going to say. You can never resolve a concern if you don't have a valuable option. So if you haven't created value first, you cannot resolve the concern. In the milkshake example that you were uh, talking about, you brought up a point and you said they charged them essentially what it would cost him to go get the milkshake himself. And so they had created a value there. If they had gone in and said, well, you know what? we can go ahead and jack this price up, you know, like he's paying for it. And, you know, and if they would have taken a $5 milkshake and charged 20 bucks for it. Yeah. 
I'm sure this guy could have afforded the $20, but the value proposition would have been gone. It would have been lost. And so their ability to resolve the concern would have failed because they failed to create value. And so look at how these build on each other as you're looking at you know the different steps that we're pointing out, especially with this resolve concern is I can't resolve concerns if I don't understand the customer. I can't resolve concerns if I haven't created value. I have to do these steps first in order to make it happen. The other thing that I want to point out is this is a great opportunity to check yourself and ask, are you in the idea and innovative steps of customer engagement or are you still stuck down in that inherent piece? Because inherently you're going to say, sorry, sir, we do not offer milkshakes. And then you're going to smile at them and you're going to be very helpful in telling them that we don't offer milkshakes. That's not what we're talking about with customer engagement. That might be customer service, but customer service is, uh, it's not as powerful as customer engagement. You know, they're going to get ongoing business from this person who travels all the time. I mean, you get professionals that are traveling 200 days out of the year. That's a lot of money in hotel stays that could be made from a quick milkshake opportunity. And, and so, you know, look at this and say, are you stuck down in the inherent ability to resolve concerns? Or can you really get up into that, you know, innovative space and really think outside of the box and say, hey, what can we do to resolve concerns? 